folks. Well, welcome back to The Herd, our first episode for 2021. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you had a good holiday season. With me here today is my colleague, Heather Sweet, who is the MLA for Edmonton Manning, our critic on uh, democracy and ethics, as well as mental health and addictions, as well as our house leader. You got quite a full plate there, Heather. Uh, Did you get a chance to relax and uh, rest a bit over the holidays? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I followed the the requirements by the chief medical officer to make, keep, make sure that everybody's staying safe and that um, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So watched a lot of Netflix, watched a lot of Prime, uh, getting a little sick of TV, walked my dogs quite a bit, but uh, yeah, hung out at home and didn't travel like some of our other UCP uh, MLAs did, decided to actually listen to our experts in healthcare and do what I was told to do, so... Fantastic. And let's talk about that. I think that's probably top of mind for everybody that's listening. Uh, We saw that. So we found out beginning of January that indeed we had one UCP minister, uh, Municipal Affairs Minister Tracy Allard, and five UCP MLAs who all decided to travel. So uh, Jeremy Nixon from Calgary Klein uh, took himself to Hawaii, like uh, Minister Allard did. Pat Rain, Lesser Slave Lake in Mexico. Tani Yao, Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo, also in Mexico. Tanya for uh, MLA for Calgary Pigeon uh, took herself to Vegas and Jason Steffen uh, from Red Deer South took a flight to Arizona. What are your thoughts on that, Heather? Well, I'll be honest, uh, when I heard about it, I think I responded probably pretty similar to how many how many Albertans felt, which was, um, and I won't use explicits, but there were a couple explicits that wanted to come out of my mouth. I think it was pretty... Uh, disingenuous and and I think it was completely disrespectful and showed a significant lack of leadership um, by many of the MLAs that chose to travel. Uh, I was pretty mad, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. I, you know, I take COVID very seriously and I think our caucus does and I think Albertans do. And to, you know, hear from a minister to say, well, it's our annual uh, trip that we take and we've done it for 17 years and it's our tradition. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? Many Albertans had traditions this year that they gave up on uh, to do what was right, which was to stay home, stay safe and, uh, you know, follow the health, the health recommendations. So um, it was pretty disrespectful. I think to be like, well, as a minister, I have a right to follow uh, our traditions and to do what we do every year, but the rest of you need to stay home. So it, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little, still a little angry about it, but. but uh, I think a lot of Albertans are. If I look at the inbox of my constituency mm-hmm. office, I'm certainly hearing from a lot of folks. So you're right. I think that was just some incredible arrogance and entitlement from those MLAs. Incredibly poor judgment. But we saw that taken to a whole other level when uh, Jason Kenney stood up to talk about it on January 1st. Now, you're, as I said, you're our critic on democracy and ethics. So you've been watching, I guess, the kind of behavior we've seen from the premier, uh, probably since before he even got elected as premier and certainly since. What are your thoughts on what we saw from him on January 1st? How does that line up with what you've been seeing before? Well, and, and you know, it, um, I was actually asked this the other day about, um, you know, WestJet having to hire lobbyists to try to keep their industry moving forward. And one of the questions I was actually asked is, well, when the premier said, well, we need people to travel to keep our economy going, what did you think about that? 
And you know, my immediate response to that is it's such a cop out, like Mm -hmm. to, to not take any responsibility to acknowledge that he basically gave permission to his caucus to travel, knowing perfectly well that we were all told we shouldn't, um, is such a lack of leadership. Hmm. And it's so arrogant. And it's like, well, just do it. and Don't get caught. It's, it's sort of what we saw because we saw, you know, MLAs and, and even the minister, a large, well, ex-minister now, but making videos as if to make it look like they were here and like lying to Albertans, like such a blatant lie um, to make it seem like they were doing the right thing when they knew perfectly well that they weren't. And to, to premeditate that and to make that decision to do that, um, it just speaks to such a disregard for Albertans to treat them like they aren't smart enough to realize what these, what these government MLAs were doing. And then for Jason Kenney as the premier to just be like, well, you know, I guess I should have told them not to. Well, come on. Like I, I, strongly disagree. I know because we were in government Mm. that everybody knows where we are. We tell each other if we're traveling, we get permission. If you are leaving the province or even leaving the country, people need to be able to get a hold of you. If something were to happen, like let's say, for example, the Fort McMurray fire, we needed to be in Alberta to make sure we were supporting the government and doing the work that they were supposed to be doing. And that includes staff. So, the fact that the premier thought it was okay that his his minister and some of his MLAs left the province to go on fun personal holidays during a pandemic, a health crisis, speaks to the lack of understanding that he has around this issue and the fact that he isn't taking it seriously. Because if he was, it would have been no go. Like nobody's allowed to leave. Everybody's on alert. You need to be available at all times because we might need you. Um, Doesn't matter if you're in cabinet or not. As a government MLA, we have to be available or they need to be available. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Indeed. And of course, and for those listening, Heather speaks from experience. She's been in our caucus leadership while we were in government and now. So she was our caucus chair when we were in government. She's our house leader now. So Heather knows what it means to try to organize a group of MLAs, make sure we know where people are and we've got folks to cover the work that needs to be done. Not to mention each of us being here for our constituents. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you know, some of these MLAs are putting out messages saying, oh, I know this is going to be a tough Christmas this year. I miss being close to people. I miss hugging people. That was Jeremy Nixon and Calgary Klein. And then going and taking these vacations, it just an utter lack of thought, judgment, Mm -hmm. empathy. And like you say, Jason Kenney then Pretty clearly, I think, lying to Albertans about what he knew and when he knew it. It sure seems that way based on what we know of how Congress works. And his chief of staff, we haven't even mentioned him yet. Um, The idea that the premier wouldn't know where his chief of staff was as he jetted off to the United Kingdom Mm -hmm. against public health orders where there is a new strain of COVID-19 that is far more infectious. And then breaking rules again to divert through the United States so that he could get back to Canada. It's, it's just astounding. But it speaks to it speaks to Jason Kenney and, and the UCP, though. Like, it took four days from the day that people started to find out 
about these travels, these trips that that his caucus were taking on. Four days. He went into hiding. Let's start there. After he first came out and said, well, I'm not really going to do anything. It was a bad choice, but, you know, no consequences. And then Albertans' voices spoke up and he clearly heard that that wasn't sufficient and that wasn't good enough. And I mean, good on Albertans. Like, that's what they need to do. They need to be speaking up and holding this government to account. But then he disappeared for four days. And when he did come back... Um, it was like, oh, well, I've removed the minister from her cabinet position and I've taken some MLAs out of, out of committee work. Well, let's be honest. We don't like MLAs don't get paid for committee work. So all he did was take away their responsibility to do their job, yeah. which speaks to another issue of like, how is that even a consequence? Like, well, then I'm, why not go to Mexico if you're going to be able to come back, have a nice holiday and then come back and not lose any type of financial penalty and not have to do the work? Like, it, it blows my mind that that was his response. And, you know, I spoke to one of Jason Nixon's, or sorry, Jeremy Nixon, the, the brother, mm-hmm. constituents the other day. And I just called her to, just to see how she was doing because she'd reached out. And she was in tears on the phone with me. She's single. She's been on her own for the last year. She's been abiding by the health uh, recommendations. So she's been staying home. You know, she's, she's a little bit older, so she's retired. And she's like, you know, I used to go meet my girlfriends for coffee. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't have a huge social network, but like there was always that regular coffee date that I had every week where I got to go see my girlfriends and we would chat. And I asked her, well, how are you doing right now by yourself? And she started to cry and she was like, you know what? And she started apologizing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm crying. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that's okay. And she's like, nobody's asked me how I'm doing. And I guess I didn't realize how much this has impacted me. And like, I think that is fundamentally what this government is missing is that we are talking about Albertans. We are talking about our friends and our neighbors and, you know, colleagues or, or however you want to, you know, address somebody, I guess. But like this woman's been sitting at home but for a year by herself mm-hmm. and nobody asked her how she was doing because she hasn't been able to have contact with people. And so for her MLA, Jeremy Nixon to go on a holiday while she was sitting at home, she was devastated. Like I was on the phone with her for quite a long time. because I wanted to make sure obviously that she was okay and that her mental health was okay. Um, But like, this is the impact it's having on Albertans. It's I've done the right thing. I've been lonely for a year and these politicians think that it's okay to just go and do their own thing because they want to, they want to spend time with somebody. Like what about the rest of us? And, and, and sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I think that was part of the fundamental disconnect we saw when Jason Kenney stood there on January 1st, that he really did not get it. And maybe a fundamental difference between how the UCP has been approaching this and I think how we've been approaching this as a caucus. You know, Jason Kenney stood up there and he talked about the economy and he talked about, you know, while the letter of the law and it wasn't quite illegal. And and he just he is not thinking about the impacts on real people, whereas I know 
all along, we've been continuing to bring forward proposals to try to bring that out, to emphasize this is the impact on people who are losing their business. And indeed, you had a really good proposal on mental health for specifically recognizing for folks like that woman you were speaking to. Uh, you were calling for something like five, uh, five sessions for every Albertan free with a mental health professional. Yeah. So the idea behind this is that, I mean, we've seen with COVID um, over the last year, depression, anxiety, um, addictions, people are drinking more, like people are trying to manage the, the stress that COVID has brought on. And so my thought was, and, and our caucus's thought was that we would um, propose to the government that people just be able to access counseling sessions, whether it be through psychology, like a registered healthcare professional. So no different that if people had benefits, they could use their benefits to go have a one-on-one counseling session. The idea with this is that people who have financial barriers shouldn't be restricted from accessing those same supports. And so we had said, well, and this was in consultation with actually um, different organizations that provide this service. They said therapeutically five sessions make sense. That's when you're able to identify what the stressors are for people and then give them some strategies to uh, start working towards managing that. And then, of course, obviously, these healthcare professionals would determine people may need more interventions. And if they do, then they would do what they do with referrals and things like that. And so the idea was if you have an Alberta healthcare number, you should be able to use that number and you should be able to access mental health services. I'm a strong believer, and I know our caucuses as well, that you know, mental health services is part of healthcare. If you are mentally doing well, you tend to be physically doing well. And if your physical health or if your mental health isn't doing well, your physical health tends to be impacted by that as well. And so this should be part of our healthcare system naturally, is that um, if you can access mental health supports and talk about how you're feeling, um, the likelihood of that being able to improve your overall physical health, science says that that makes sense. Um, And so I asked the government to consider doing this. They haven't, uh, which is, you know, disappointing. I think, I think Albertans deserve to have access to uh, mental health supports and um, and I also know in talking to, you know, the 211 numbers or 811, whatever, uh, you know, the 1-800 mental health numbers that people may call, they're overwhelmed right now. And people are reaching out and people are asking for that support. So we know based even on uh, the evidence that we're hearing from our crisis numbers that people need that support. And so hopefully, and I mean, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep asking the government to do this. Uh, We will eventually be able to get people access to free counseling services. That's excellent because, yeah, we know the impacts of this are very real for people Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And bringing this back around to what we were talking about with the travel gate, of course, you spoke with that one woman in in Jeremy Nixon's constituency. We also had some other folks coming at to join us for a press conference because we were getting Mm -hmm. stories like this from so many other people. So we we had one woman from Calgary whose uh, grandfather died of COVID-19 on Christmas Eve. None of the family got to be there with him. Yeah. None of, you know, she couldn't travel to be in with her family in Manitoba to to mourn him. Uh, we had another person whose grandfather is in long-term care, recently suffered a stroke, and he begged her 
to bring him home to celebrate Christmas with the family in Edmonton. He couldn't do it. She said, I will never forget him seeing him cry through his mask, sitting through the ta- across the table from us, not being able to hug her home. And these are folks, this is the sacrifice they made <laughs> while UCP MLAs are sunning themselves on the beach in Hawaii or Mexico. Uh, and one of the one of the hardest ones I, I thought was for this one family. Uh, they, they, had a, they, had, they have a son who uh, pall- is in palliative care. He, they don't know how much longer he has. Make-A-Wish yeah. Foundation offered him a trip to Hawaii. They were supposed yeah. to go here this Christmas. They put off their trip because of COVID-19. And UCP MLAs, a minister, couldn't even make that small sacrifice for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. Like, I just, <sighs> I... Um, you know, I really care about our communities and I, I care about Albertans and, and I know our caucus does too. Like I, I, I don't question that at all. And I, you know, it, it it's heartbreaking for me to talk to people um, that live in our neighborhoods or, you know, live in other ridings that are reaching out to us because they're not hearing from their UCP MLAs who are struggling and, the entitlement and the arrogance that we saw over Christmas by this, by these MLAs and by the premier to just not even acknowledge that people are hurting right now. Mm. And that, and and everybody is, is managing this in their own way, but let's be real. COVID-19 has impacted every single one of us somehow. Um, and to not acknowledge that, to not be, to not be sympathetic or, like, I don't even know the words to use at this point to to speak to the fact that as a government, it's not just about policy. Like, yes, policy matters. And yes, you need to create legislation. But the reality of it is, is that governments have a responsibility as elected individuals. We have a responsibility to take care of the people that elected us. That is our fundamental job. Mm-hmm. And to use the privilege of being elected to go around the rules and to ignore the rules and to be like, oh, well, you know, guess I shouldn't have done it, but, you know, sorry, not sorry, is disrespectful to the people that elected us. And it's disrespectful to the role that we have because you don't just get to apologize for making a mistake when it comes to something like breaking a, a health order and going traveling when we've been told for months not to do it. And I think Albertans have a right to be mad and to ask for the things that they're asking for. But what really upsets me and what I really want to see is those MLAs actually acknowledge it and apologize to to their constituents, but just to Albertans in general and say, you know what? I took my role for granted and I'm sorry that I did what I did because it is disrespectful to the, to you who elected me um, and to the role in general um, because I just, I just cannot fathom or understand how anybody would think that it would be okay in the roles that we have um, to go traveling to Vegas or Hawaii or Mexico at the same time we're hearing from people that they're not doing okay. Like, I just, I don't get it. 
I, I absolutely agree. And of course, we've seen a range of apologies, uh, some uh, a bit more heartfelt, like uh, maybe Emily Nixon was a little more contrite, uh, all the way down to uh, Tanny Yao, Jason Steffen with very much non-apologies apology. I don't think Jason Steffen even attempted to apologize. He was pretty adamant that he was just fine with what he had done. And, you know, it really strikes me that the absolutely, I think the utter disrespect, the lack of empathy, the human pain they've caused, even if we were to set that aside, and let's say that they had been doing a bang up job on the pandemic, they've been doing a great job in government. And, you know, then and then they decided, you know, I've worked so hard, I deserve to take a vacation. Okay, fine. But we know that is not even true. Like the fact is they have been mishandling the COVID-19 pandemic. The reason so many people were in such a dire situation over the Christmas holidays is because Jason Kenney dragged his feet. He refused mm-hmm. to take, or he, well, he refused to get us ready for the second wave when we knew it was coming. And then once it started to hit, refused to take action until the last minute that put us in the position where we had to have these restrictions over the Christmas holidays, where we had death rates climbing, case numbers climbing, and healthcare professionals that had to spend their Christmas holidays, you know, dealing with folks on, on the verge of death. So that is what the government gave us. And at the same time, they came out mid-December and sort of said, hey, we're heroes. We got a vaccine coming. So here's hope for everybody. Now, I think that was hopeful for a lot of folks, but they made a big promise. They said 29,000 healthcare professionals, we're going to have them vaccinated by the end of December. We got to December 28th, 29th, we were at six or 7,000. So not even uh, a quarter of the way there. So an incredible disappointment, I think, for a lot of Albertans and shows that it, it was, it's even worse that they are making these decisions and disappearing, leaving the country on tropical vacations while they were handling the pandemic and vaccination so badly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, something that I, I believe in and what should be happening to is, is, more transparency about what the government's doing. Like you're right, they've they've failed all the way along. And really, if the premier had made the decision to do what he did around closing down businesses, um, looking at the schools, you know, having kids trying to do virtual learning, all of those things um, prior when we knew the second wave was coming, we don't. Maybe Christmas would have been something. We would have looked different. But what we know now is that we are actually extending the shutdown to the 21st of January, because it is showing that the numbers are decreasing, but we still need to be diligent. Well, we could have been diligent before Christmas. And if we'd done that, maybe Christmas would have looked different, but you're right. And when it comes to the vaccines as well, like we knew the vaccine was coming. We, we, we've been hearing that, uh, for, for a while. Um, the fact that the minister that was responsible for making sure that those vaccine rollouts were happening went to Hawaii is a problem um, and would speak to probably some of the issues around um, the fact that this the vaccines haven't gone out the way that they could have. But what also I find really frustrating, and this seems to be a trend for the premier, is that now he's blaming Ontario. And he's saying, well, it's Trudeau's fault that we don't have the vaccines and it's Trudeau's fault that things aren't working. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> The premier hasn't done anything when it comes to COVID-19. He's relied on the federal government Mm -hmm. to provide wage subsidies, to look at rent subsidies, to support small businesses and medium businesses in in maintaining um, wages for their salaries, but also just being able to stay afloat. He has not done a single thing 
for the people of Alberta. And so for him to start blaming Trudeau and saying, well, you know, it's because of him. Well, you know what, if it, if it wasn't for him, people wouldn't have wage subsidy. They wouldn't be able to get supports that they need because Jason Kenney has refused to implement any programs. We called on many things when COVID first started. And I mean, if you go to albertafutures.ca, you will see many of the recommendations we made around schools, medium to small businesses, wage subsidies, all of these different ideas and, and things that could have been implemented. And Kenney refused to do it. He waited for Trudeau to do it. And now when he's failing on another thing, such as vaccines, he's now trying to blame Trudeau again. This premier takes no responsibilities for any of the decisions that he makes. He always tries to pass it on to the next guy. And I think Albertans really need to look at that and see that this lack of responsibility, this lack of leadership, this MIA that continuously keeps happening with this premier, where things get tough, he disappears, we can't find him, um, is an issue. And it's a problem. And it just speaks to um, the, the lack of leadership by this government and the lack of leadership that Jason Kenney has. And vaccines is just one more example where he's failing. Absolutely. And there has been a real problem with clarity of information. Like for to give folks a timeline, what we had was on December 2nd, uh, Jason Kenney began to talk about the fact that they knew vaccines were going to be coming from the federal government. And so he sort of gave a bit of a presentation and he talked several times about vaccinations being around for the general public next summer. So we talked about that next summer. Now, other documents that were there sort of suggested the fall, but he talked about the summer. That's what the media reported. And he didn't say anything to correct it on December 28th. So we had a announcement in the middle of the month where they talked about those 29,000 healthcare professionals and the start of the vaccination. December 28th, we saw a official schedule update from AHS and they said the public would get vaccinations in the fall. So, of course, there's a lot of questions about this coming into January. Jason Kenney said he's hiding out uh, up on top of the federal building in his new office in the Sky Palace, where he's been mm -hmm. for a little while. But he, you know, not talking to the media, not providing clarification. Reporters pushed him. Last week, Jason Kenney's office says, oh, by the way, no, 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 no. See, the, the premier misspoke. It's not going to be in the summer. It'll be in the fall. Then last night, Jason Kenney is on a Facebook Live on Facebook. And he says, Oh, yeah, well, we uh, hope to have vaccinations for the general public by May or June of this year. So the Alberta public, I think, has a good reason to ask why they are not getting straight information. That's why we called uh, Rachel this week, stood up, and she called for Albertans to get direct information from Alberta's mm -hmm. vaccine task force. Because if Jason Kenney can't keep his story straight, either he doesn't actually know, so then why is he talking about it? Or he is shifting his story and he's changing things, as you said, for his own political gain because he's yeah. trying to wrong foot Ottawa and find someone else to blame. And so I think Albertans really deserve to have direct, clear information on something that is so important for their own health and for the economy. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. And. And I'm glad that you and Rachel have been asking for, you know, openness and transparency and sharing with Albertans what's going on with the vaccine. Something that I actually found really interesting um, yesterday was that Ontario actually, um, the NDP in Ontario, I believe, have been asking the government 
to, um, they put a motion for it that says to ensure a clear and transparent COVID-19 vaccination rollout plan that includes prioritizing high-risk Albertans. Mm. Oh, sorry, Ontarians. I changed it to Albertans. I was thinking about using this. Bi-weekly reporting of key statistics and monthly appearances before a select committee. Mm. So I think that's a great idea, to be honest. Um, and obviously I did because I changed it to Albertans from Ontarians. Um, but, you know, having the, the government have to report back every two weeks about where they're at statistically and what, you know, how many have we provided, how many are left kind of thing around how many people uh, still need to access, access the vaccine. But I also think having to go in front of a standing committee and reporting to both the government and the opposition about where everything is at on a monthly basis so that questions can be asked and clarity can be provided would really support some more transparency and make sure that Albertans are getting that information so that, you know, the premier can't just go out and arbitrarily pick a month because that month seems like a good month. Cause I'm sure when he said summer, it was because he he knows people are worried about well, what is summer going to look like? Am I still not going to be able to go visit my family in BC or Saskatchewan or whatever? Um, and so he said summer. And then when people heard fall, I'm sure he got a ton of pushback from Albertans because I know even in my constituency, people are calling saying like, what does this mean, Heather? Like, are we going to be locked down over the summer? Do I have to wait to the fall? Who's the priority? Who gets these vaccines? And of course, I say, you know what? I get the same information that you get because the government's not being open and transparent, even with the opposition to tell us what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's got a lot of explaining to do and he needs to get his facts right, for sure. And, and to be clear, he's not even providing clear information for a lot of the folks in the system and for healthcare mm-hmm. workers. I have been receiving tons of messages on Facebook, Instagram, emails to my office from folks working in the vaccination system, working on the front lines of healthcare about their own confusion and lack of information, the fact that they don't find out what's going on until there is a press briefing. So this is a problem that's throughout the system. And what we see Jason Kenney, as you know, he's, he's quick to jump in front of a camera if he feels like he gets to take credit for something or if he feels like it's going to get to distract from his own record. As soon as there is heat on him and people have questions about the impacts of his decisions or those of his caucus, his, his MLAs, his ministers, he disappears. Yeah. And Albertans really deserve that accountability. There was a great article in the journal yesterday from uh, Vitor Marciano, and he is no uh, progressive. He's not someone who's an NDP supporter. This is a longstanding conservative. And he said the same thing. He said Albertans deserve better coverage, and that's not the media's fault. They deserve technical briefings where they get all the information directly from the source, and they deserve to have their premier and his ministers stand up, answer questions, and take responsibility for the decisions they're making. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's probably what's created uh, so much of the stress in the province is that Albertans don't really know what's happening. And it's because the government's not telling them and is refusing really to tell them. And then when we, when they are asked questions, the response that we see from this premier and his, and his ministers is, oh, that's an NDP question. I'm not answering it. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we ask the questions on behalf of Albertans. So if the media is asking the same questions we're asking, it's because that's what Albertans want to know. Um, so stop making it partisan and maybe just listen to Albertans. That would be where we should start. And then maybe just give them the answer that they've asked for. Absolutely. 
And speaking of impacts that we have seen from the government, uh, we got some job figures just recently from Statistics Canada showing that the UCP is government's uh, decision. So the choices that Jason Kenney has made, he talked over and over in the fall about, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's economy versus public health. You know, we can't afford to do this or we're going to wreck the economy. You know, Alberta is in the last place in Canada for economic recovery. We have the highest unemployment rates, second only, or uh, among the highest, sorry, unemployment rates. We're second actually to Newfoundland and Labrador. So Jason Kenney has created this false dichotomy. He dragged his feet and has in fact ended up just making the situation worse. Yeah, I mean, we know that um, everybody's had to do this. Right. Like this is not unique to Alberta when it comes to COVID-19. Every province has had to do some form of a restriction um, when it comes to restaurants, you know, pubs, casinos, (laughs) going into businesses, things like that. And yet we can't seem to recover. And so, you know, I think, again, Jason Kenney is going to try to blame this on COVID-19. The reality of it is, is that that's not the case. Because if that was the case, every single province would be in the same boat and every single province would be struggling to recover. Um, What this is about, though, is that this premier has refused to look at how to keep the economy going and diversify the economy. And so at a time where we could have been looking at investing in AI, health research, um, you know, tourism, all of these different things, um, our film industry, he chose not to. And these were industries that have been conti- have been able to continue to adjust and figure out how to maneuver around COVID. I mean, health research in itself right now is I, there's a lot of research going on right now when it comes to healthcare, um, and we have a lot of success stories in Alberta uh, of research coming out of the U of A and different things like that, where you know we are leaders in some of these areas, and yet this government refuses to look at how to diversify them and how to encourage them to grow, and so. It is based on his ideology, the premier's ideology, Jason Kenney's and the UCP's ideology that has put us in this situation. It's not because we are not innovative in Alberta. It's not because there isn't uh, potential for growth. It's that this government has chosen to focus only on the oil and gas industry and not look at the other diversification uh, that can happen. Absolutely. And even looking at short term investment in the economy. So there's a lot of things we mm-hmm. need to be doing to plan in the medium term and long term for that diversification that can help us get out of this. But even in the short term, you talked about, you know, Jason Kenney's been happy to depend on Ottawa to provide wage subsidies and, you know, the CERB and all these other things to help people. Uh, he was even happy to take a wage subsidy for UCP's partisan political staff. They grabbed that federal money, but he has left $300 million. Mm-hmm. that could be paid to frontline essential workers that they would go out and spend in our local economy. He's refused to pick that up because he would have to spend $1 for every three that he gets back from Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. I, that just blows my mind. Like to, to not provide a wage top up for frontline workers at a time when they are putting them their own health at risk and their families. And let's be clear, there's lots of healthcare professionals that aren't even living in their own homes right now that have chosen 
to go and live somewhere else so that they're not exposing their own family members to the potential of COVID-19. They are making huge sacrifices. And yet this government won't spend a dollar for every $3 that we'll get from the federal government to give them wage top-ups. And it doesn't even make, like, yes, they would spend that money in the economy. But on top of that, it it's just it's common sense. Like these, like people deserve those wage subsidies, those wage top-ups. But it also speaks to the fact that again, going back to the ideology of this premier, is that he doesn't want to see healthcare be successful in a public set, in a public model. He wants to look at trying to privatize as many of these supports and as many of these jobs as he possibly can. And so for him to have a success story of people getting wage top-ups and being able to access that money and then spend it, which means that would be a success story because it would help boost the economy, he doesn't want to do that. Because that means that public health care works. And he's trying to dismantle our public health care system even during COVID-19 and during this pandemic. It's, it blows my mind. Absolutely. It's uh, the the fact that the premier puts his ideology ahead of, I think, the better interests of Albertans has been the problem all along. That's why he dragged his feet so long to uh, introduce the measures that were needed to curb the growth of COVID-19 in the in the second wave, dragged it out so long, caused so much pain and suffering for Albertans. It's why he didn't show up on January 1st and actually apologize to the people of mm-hmm. Alberta for the arrogance and entitlement of himself and his, and his party, his MLAs. And it's why, yeah, instead of doing the work now, he's just turning and again trying to blame Ottawa. Now, we talk a lot about, you know, the impact of the government uh, of Jason Kenney and the UCP on everyday Albertans, how much COVID-19 has hurt them. We've spent most of this podcast talking about that, but it's not very often that you actually hear a member of the government agree with us. Now, Miranda Rosen, uh, MLA for Banff Kananaskis, uh, she's done, she's come out a couple of times with some interesting uh, communication with her. Uh, her Christmas message that she sent out to her constituents, she said, and I quote, your entire year was likely filled with hardship inflicted by our government, whether that be in the form of financial insecurity, business strain or loneliness and depression. Uh, a refreshing bit of honesty from uh, MLA Rosen. Yeah, I I mean good for her for calling it out as it is. I mean, we've seen we've seen some other MLAs also come out um and make some similar comments. Uh we saw the MLA for Airdrie, uh Angela Pitt, who's actually the deputy speaker, and we've also seen the speaker uh make comments in regards to, you know, this is an embarrassment and, you know, this government's not doing well. Um I think we have to be careful, though, that as much as, you know, they are speaking out um, to not let them minimize by trying to say, well, I get it, because the reality of it is they also have a choice. They could continue to stay in a government that they know is hurting their constituents or they could leave the caucus and stand up for their constituents. Um, and so for me, when I see an MLA speaking out and saying, well, I'm, I'm trying to advocate for my constituents. Well, sure. But you're staying in a, You're still in a caucus and you're still within a party that is continuing to make these decisions. So if you truly believe in what you're saying, then you have a choice. And that choice is to leave the caucus and sit as an independent 
and fight for your constituents. Um, and if you choose not to do that, then even putting it in writing is really, again, disingenuous because just because you're putting it in writing and saying that that's how you feel, um, your voice obviously isn't being heard. And so maybe it's time to make a different choice. Indeed. And we've seen some more principled conservative MLAs in the past that have made that decision. We saw that happen with their Premier Allison Redford, where she had some MLAs who chose to leave their caucus and they sort of sparked the uh, internal caucus revolt that ended up sort of seeing Allison Redford indeed resign. And we've seen others in the past that have sort of said, I cannot stand by what my government and my party is doing and therefore they choose that route. Now, uh, so to be clear, uh, Angela Pitt, uh, uh, Nathan Cooper, and Michaela Glasgow, a couple others have spoken out specifically on the travel gate issue. Uh, I've yet to see them admit to any of the other impacts of their government. And even in the case of Miranda Rosen here, I think we saw some clarity as to what she actually meant. She published another piece uh, just last week, I think sort of came to light, where she talks about, you know, the worst impacts last year were that the government took so many of people's freedoms away. Indeed, the worst part, she said, she lamented the fact that so many people are asking government to take their freedoms away. Uh, and of course, this is the MLA who also back in the fall, you know, sent out a newsletter to her constituents at the that went out at the beginning of the second wave sort of saying, well, now that the worst of COVID-19 is behind us, <laughs> which we have seen how uh, how inaccurate that was over the last few months. So it's unfortunate, I think, that within the UCP caucus, and this is partly, I think, why uh, Jason Kenney is not really taking the action he needs to protect Albertans, their health, the mm-hmm. is he has these folks in his caucus and in his base who are really downplaying the reality and the gravity of this global pandemic. Yeah. And I, you know, you're you're right. There there are definitely some individuals in that caucus that uh, refuse to wear masks in chamber. Um, and then even when they did, they didn't wear them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who really minimized the pandemic and who do make comments around, you know, what about the freedom of uh, like individual freedoms? Well, let's be, tr- let's be honest. Like I can still leave my house. I can still go get my groceries. I can still uh, talk to my friends. Um, I just have to do it in a way that keeps everybody healthy. That doesn't restrict people's freedoms. And I think um, we have to be really careful when we talk about those sorts of things. And when when an elected official tries to flame um, those sorts of conversations, they are very dangerous. I think in my you know in my opinion, um, because we are very fortunate living in Canada and living in Alberta with the amount of freedom that we actually do have. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom to assemble. We have all of those things. Um, And just because there is a pandemic in place and we're asking people to respect each other and to take care of each other by not doing it as often. um, I think we, we need to honor that. And I think that we also need to honor the the privilege that we have living in this province, in this country, Um, our, our freedoms are not being restricted. Uh, I mean, you just have to look at other countries to, to see what's going on in other countries. We are very, very fortunate to live here. And I think, you know, yes, we've had to make some sacrifices about not going out to restaurants and maybe not getting together with 15 of our friends and having a house party or whatever that is. Um, 
but I can still go for a walk and I can still say hi to my neighbors and I can still uh, show people I care about them in a different way. Um, so it's, it is dangerous to see elected officials start engaging in those conversations. And I think we need to really keep an eye on the UCP and that dialogue um, because, you know, it could create some pretty scary situations if we aren't careful about how we talk about these things. Absolutely. And especially at a time when we know we need more people to be willing to get the vaccination, to take this seriously, to accept the vaccination. Alberta currently has the highest number of people who say they will not get the vaccination. Uh, when we have that kind of rhetoric from uh, from elected officials, MLAs, and at times even from the premier, mm-hmm. that isn't going to help us get there. But yeah, I can tell you folks, we will be continuing to exercise our freedom of speech as the official opposition and right here on the Herd podcast. So I think we're going to wrap it there for today. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks so much, Heather, for joining me today. Uh, we will be back next week with more information. We're probably coming back into session sometime in February. So we'll be warming up for that and continuing to hold this government to account on COVID-19. Thanks again for coming in, Heather. Thank you.